Hello and welcome to the Pokey TCG cast. Alex here, and this was a week of gluttony. As I started out the week by making donuts. And oh my goodness, not only are they simple to make, well, you know how donuts taste. So that was a good way to start off the week. But not only that, just a couple of nights ago, I made another batch of ice cream. And I can't say that I've got any regrets with that as well, other than maybe the 10 pounds that I'm going to gain right before going to another major tournament. But hey, I don't see anything wrong with bringing your own quart of ice cream to a tournament that's only about four hours away. Well, maybe only a little bit. I'm just going to cross my fingers that I don't have a bunch of melted ice cream by the time I get there. But aside from that and... The amount of excitement that I've got coming up for going to the Madison Regionals for the standard format. This past weekend was the Expanded Regionals held in Roanoke, Virginia. And what's really incredible is the turnout at this tournament, as there was only 401 Expanded players in the Masters bracket. And this is quite a big change, given that there is another tournament held in the same area not too long ago, that managed to have twice as many people than this tournament, which kind of goes to show how people feel about the expanded format. I don't necessarily feel the same way about the expanded format. It's just that Virginia is quite the hike for me and not something that I was really able to swing by. But I personally like the place that expanded format is. It could be a little bit better, but that's the case with almost any game. But aside from these notes, the person who won this tournament, Xander Perro, is also one of a number of players who has now won one standard and one expanded regional within the same season. And if that just shows how diverse the Xander is as a player, being able to take first place not only in just one regional, but two regionals of different formats really is a testament to his playing ability. But probably one of the most interesting things that I've seen out of him as a player is the fact that he managed to win this tournament with Buzzrock and expanded, especially since pretty much all season he's been playing Garbodor. And even with all of the dissatisfaction that's been had with the expanded format, I think that dissatisfaction is really why we see such a diverse field of deck archetypes within the top 32 of this regional, as we have four Buzzrock decks, two Fighting Box decks, one Waylord, five Zoroarks, eight Trevenants, two Drampa Garbodors, one Miss Magius Garbodor, one Vespaquen, four Night March, one Giratina Malamar, two Seismitoad, and one Greninja. So, aside from all of the potentially meaningless words that I just said all in a row with some numbers attached to it, one thing to immediately point out is the fact that a quarter of the top cut was Trevenant. Like, where did Trevenant come from? As just the last couple of regionals, it's been being beaten into the ground by Zoroark that's been everywhere. And so where did it come from? And I think one of those particularly noteworthy places is the fact that it came 
with a new tool of mysterious treasure. And honestly, one of the drawbacks of running Trevenant as a deck was that you don't always get your turn one Trevenant, which is really how the deck functions. If you don't have a turn one Trevenant, you start to have a bad time, as honestly, the more turns that your opponent do stuff, the less likely you as a Trevenant player are to succeed in that match and get your damage spread really mitigated. But with the addition of Mysterious Treasure, Trevenant has all sorts of opportunities now to be able to really get that turn one Trevenant, which when you basically get twice as many Ultra Balls that you get to use in a deck, I think that's pretty strong. As for some other popular decks, it's a given that we see a lot of Zoroark on this playing field, and so seeing five Zoroarks isn't particularly too out of place, meaning that it hasn't completely been hated out of the format just yet, and the fact that it still shows that it does have a certain baseline consistency and power level that set the playing field of what Expanded kind of feels like at the moment. Now, Drampa Garbodor has been a deck that's we have seen in a little bit more numbers in past regionals, but in this regional, we don't see as much of it, with only two of those Drampa Garbador decks being able to hit top cut. And I think this is due to a couple of things. One, Drampa Garbador itself does rely a little bit on special energy, and as we'll see a little bit later on, there's a couple of special energy hate decks that are out and about that definitely pushed some of the pressure of Drampa kind of out of their way. On top of that, though, there's also a certain lack of special energies in a number of these top-performing decks, and so Drampa itself doesn't have as much of a place, kind of leaving Garbodor as the key piece to the puzzle of that deck to be able to perform well against other decks. And again, when you've got something like Zoroark running around, it doesn't hit as hard as it should. Also, the fact that Trevenant has done so well in this tournament as well. Trevenant definitely has a better matchup against Drampa Garbodor, or even Miss Magius Garbodor in that matter, just because Trevenant doesn't need its special energy to be able to function as a deck. It does enjoy it, though, when it gets to be able to use its mystery energies, but otherwise... It kind of just relies on dimension value and psychic energies to be able to pull off its game plan. And the fact that Trevenant can use Mysterious Treasure a little bit better than Drampa Garbodor can kind of adds that consistency to the matchup that Trevenant definitely utilizes a little bit better. Now, because of our Zoroark-filled metagame, this is the time where we start to see Buzzwool back and start to nudge Zoroark out of the metagame, just like kind of saw several months earlier in the standard metagame. Plus the fact that Buzzle is also just a good card, and we've also got DNC that got released that pumps its damage up a little bit more, and Beast Energy, and the fact that we've got Karina that really boosts the consistency of either Buzzrock or Fighting Box, just being able to find tech-fighting Pokemon, as well as items like Beast Ring or tools like Choice Band or Muscle Band, 
Honestly, Buzzle is just a really powerful card that does well in either format right now. Although it's particularly funny for me to see a standard deck with relatively few changes do almost just as well in the expanded metagame. Now, some of the other lock decks that I was alluding to earlier did show up in this tournament, and out of that slew of words that might have had a little to no meaning at the beginning of this podcast to you, one of those slew of words was Mismagius Garbador, as well as Giratina Malamar. Now, Giratina has shown up here and there around the expanded format, and it hasn't had a whole lot of success, given that it takes a lot of energy to be able to set up, and there wasn't really any deck that could do it consistently, as a lot of Darkrai variant decks were decks that tried to get Giratina to get its lock on, but that relied on getting max elixir hits to work, and when you're trying to get a consistent lock on, max elixir, even though is a somewhat effective tool, isn't going to give you 100% consistency by any means. And so, with Malamar existing and coming out of Forbidden Light, does help Giratina be able to pop on a little bit quicker. The fact that it also has the ability to charge up some other attackers to get some good KOs and like Ultra Necrozma or Donwing's Necrozma kind of gives Giratina a couple of good quote-unquote friends to play with. Now, Miss Magius Garbador kind of similar idea, but playing with Garbador means that the deck functions by hating against decks that play a lot of item cards and giving them a cheap attacker in that fashion. And with Miss Magius, even though it's a stage one, it's able to still get into play rather consistently, and it only needs one psychic energy to be able to lock your opponent out of playing any special energies, which is honestly a pretty good game plan, given that even though Miss Magius doesn't do a whole lot of damage to Zora work, the fact that it's able to lock it out of being able to play their double colorless energy definitely gives you some more time to be able to get more Garbodor online or even help power up your Garbodor by forcing your opponent to try to discard items to find answers to Miss Magius. And then we've also got our somewhat typical Seismitoad decks. I'm not exactly sure how it really stands in this metagame. I know that item locking hurts a lot of expanded decks, but I also know that there's a number of decks that function just fine without having to use item cards. So I see why it's there in the top cut, but I don't see why it's persisted so long in this metagame. Now, we've also got a couple of other familiar faces pop up as we see the one token Greninja deck that somehow pops up in pretty much every regional everywhere. And this time, it was played by Justin Bakari. And then we've got a couple of other decks, like the one Wheeler deck that placed second, Vespa Queen that's now played with an added Zora work, and a little bit more successful Night March with four placements. I have to say, it's a really weird time when you hear that it's nice to see Night March make top cut. But that's more or less because Zoroark was so oppressive and the way that this format has taken shape. 
I'd honestly like to say that I do like the current start of this Forbidden Light format because of the current deck diversity. The fact that we've got 12 different deck archetypes for this tournament among 32 players is again another great testament to a good start to this format. And the fact that a number of these di ideas aren't too particularly new with the exception of a couple of decks. But the fact that these are more or less old ideas that are able to do well kind of tells me that they will be able to stick around a little bit longer rather than being seen in just one tournament. And quite honestly, as long as too many people don't start flocking to a certain archetype, I'd say that we'd probably be in a good place in terms of variation of decks. As for the way the metagame functions as a whole, filled with oppressive combos, well, if you're not a fan, I might suggest that you turn to the standard format, but I'm sure you've had enough people say that to you already. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Pokey TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week with a recap of the Madison Regionals.